since most taxpayers voluntarily file their tax returns every year. They usually don't hear from the IRS until then. You see, once a return is filed, the IRS has the authority to question anything you put on your return. They can request an explanation of income that doesn't match with their third-party information from W-2s or 1099s. They can choose to begin an audit of your return or collect tax on the liability shown on that return. So basically, filing your return sets in motion a chain of events that can lead to being contacted by the IRS examination or collection division. And now you've received an audit letter. What next? Welcome everyone, it's tax season and I'm bringing you nothing but the tea in taxes. I'm your host, Giovanni Pryor, tax enrolled agent, and this is Life in the Tax Lane. On this show, we talk about everything trending in today's news from stimulus payments to sales tax. So let's start the conversation. You're under audit. You don't know what to think or what to expect. You're a bundle of nerves because no one and I mean no one wants to deal with the headache of an IRS audit. And there are different types of audits that are conducted by IRS employees. Like of all audits performed in 2018, 74.8% were correspondence audits, meaning they were completed by mail. Well, only 25.2% of audits were actually face-to-face. The IRS uses correspondence audits because they are very cost effective for them and it allows them to audit a large number of taxpayers that have less complicated tax issues. But as with anything, it has its imperfections. When a taxpayer gets a notice, the contact name shows tax examiner and the contact phone number is for the service center that issued the letter. So each time a taxpayer calls the number on the notice, assuming that they're going to get to a live agent. They'll get a different tax examiner each time. So how does this help the taxpayer to resolve their issues any faster? It's frustrating reiterating the problem each time you call to get the next agent up to speed because you're under a mail examination and you're not dealing with one specific revenue agent. It can become maddening and exasperating very quickly. So because of the issues that get selected for examination correspondence audits they they tend to impact lower income and middle class income earners who overall are less educated about the irs processes and are less likely to be able to afford adequate representation the irs's primary objective in identifying returns for examination is supposed to be for promoting a higher degree of voluntary compliance. But due to limited resources, pre-pandemic and currently, they can only examine a small percentage of the tax returns that are actually filed. So one of the first things that you need to know is that any taxpayer that is under examination, 
is entitled to a plain English explanation about the audit process, your appeal rights, and information about the Taxpayer Advocate Office, which is actually a taxpayer's guardian angel in times of hardship related to tax matters. A uh, taxpayer, you know, they have the right to be represented during any IRS interview by an attorney, a CPA, or an enrolled agent such as myself. But don't get it twisted, folks. Taxpayers have the right to appeal any examination decision, as well as the right not to pay any proposed increase in tax until their appeal has been heard. Now, there are exceptions, of course. If you're in litigation, then you don't get consideration by appeals. You'll have to get with an EA and find another back door for that one. Now, you've been summoned by the powers that be at the IRS. How do you safeguard yourself? Well, you do have certain rights and defenses at your disposal when you go up against the big dogs. You have the right of the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination. You have the right to be represented by counsel. You have federally authorized tax practitioner, taxpayer privilege, as well as the right to an audio recording of the proceedings. You have the right of third-party witness to refuse unreasonable requests, among a few others. The idea is to be fully prepared and go in armed with as much knowledge about their processes and your rights when it comes to resolving any and all of your tax matters. So why would the IRS select your return for examination? Are they picking on you? It may feel that way, but the IRS actually, they examine returns for a variety of reasons. Some returns, they're selected for examination based on their computer scoring. Yeah, the IRS allows a computer program to give each filed return a numeric score. They have a program called the Discriminant Function System, and it gives each return a diff score, right? Now, this score rates the potential for change based on the IRS's past experience with similar returns. So, let me give you an example. You are a self-employed hairstylist, and you have reported earnings of $40,000 for the tax year. You reported $25,000 in expenses, and you may have actually spent $25,000 in expenses, right? But what the DIFF system will do is compare previously filed returns of this same nature and score the return based on differences. If it proves to be that other returns in this industry have similar earnings, but a lot less expenses reported, your score is gonna reflect that. And then they may want to probe a little further into your return to see why your expenses are so much higher or lower compared to the industry norm. And you shouldn't assume that any single item on a tax return is going to cause a high diff score either because the absence of one or more items can equally cause a higher diff score. And returns, you know, they're selected for examination sometimes because of misinformation or, or information mismatching, 
let me say, um, maybe what's reported on a taxpayer's W-2 or 1099 doesn't match what was reported to the IRS. And maybe there were some questionable deductions or the IRS, they received information from a third party source provided by an ex-spouse, a former friend, or someone that had close interaction with a taxpayer. Like people can sick the IRS on you. It happens all of the time. And the taxpayer, they never find out that it was their nosy neighbor that called the IRS to discuss your new car in your driveway and where are you getting this money from like seriously guys this, this, this stuff really happens and I just want to remind everybody if you've not filed your taxes yet syndicate tax is here for you in true March Madness fashion we're dropping our prices to a flat fee of $199 until March 31st you can file your 2020 return get your info updated with the IRS and time to get that third stimulus check that's already rolling out. And if you're missing either of the first two stimulus payments, we can add that to your return for added refund benefits. I mean, with four ways to file your taxes at your convenience. There's no reason not to give us a call today. 502-220-4868. It's tax time, and there are a lot of tax changes this year. If you didn't get your stimulus checks, or if you didn't get the full amount, file with Syndicate Tax and we'll get you paid. Did you claim unemployment in 2020? Even if you didn't withhold taxes, you could still qualify for an IRS refund check. Don't miss out on these opportunities to get more money back. Syndicate Tax Professionals know all the new rules to get you the biggest refund possible. We can file your taxes in person or virtually using our secure mobile app. Just snap a picture of your W-2 and other tax forms, and we can complete your return. To find out how, just give us a call at 502-220-4868. We have three offices in Louisville ready to take care of you. Call us now at 502-220-4868. There's um, three types of audit processes I want to hit you guys to, right? There are surveys, compliance checks, and examinations. Now, a survey is when an IRS agent, they have reviewed your tax return and they believe an examination won't result in extra tax that they can collect from you. And you'll never find out about it because they don't contact you and they don't review your books or records and your return gets closed out without your knowledge. Versus a compliance check. Um, a compliance check is a review to make sure that the taxpayer, whether they're an individual or a business owner, is keeping good record keeping and information reporting requirements. They, the IRS, they like to use compliance checks as a way to educate and encourage compliance for taxpayers. Now, as a taxpayer, you can choose not to participate in a compliance check without a penalty, but I think you should be aware that the IRS can open an examination whether or not you participate in the compliance check. Now, um, an examination, that's a different story. This is a full audit. 
This is when the IRS, they want to see your books and your records because they are trying to determine your correct tax liability. Unlike compliance checks that don't seek to make determinations of taxpayer tax liability. And once the examination is concluded, it's not always closed out. No, like the return, it can be selected by the examination quality measurement system. And guess what? You'll never be able to talk to these people because this department is for internal use by employees of the IRS. Because an examiner's report, technically, it's not binding until it's accepted by their area director. The tax examiner, they're free to propose changes that are suggested by the examination quality measurement system. However, a taxpayer, they, they, they do retain their rights to accept proposed changes or to appeal those changes. So what do you do during an interview with an IRS agent? Here's some free advice on the house. How about first, you only answer specific questions that they ask you. Don't ever volunteer any information. Also, don't argue with, contradict, threaten, or lie to the IRS examiner. And I think you should also always get in the habit of repeating what they ask you before you respond to their question. And exercise your right to representation at any time during an interview with an IRS agent. Like, if they sit back and they stare at you without saying anything, remain silent. What you say can and will be used against you during an audit. So what happens when um, examinations can't be handled by via correspondence? Well, then the return, it gets sent to, you know, the appropriate area for an office audit. Now, these issues for office audits include things like issues on small schedule C's, E's, and F's, and complex itemized deduction issues. So office auditors should have no more than four vital issues that they need to address. And despite their narrow focus, office audits, they often result in substantial adjustments of tax. I think mostly because there's a lack of substantiation for credits and deductions claimed on the return, um, fear of the IRS, and lack of good representation for the taxpayer. Like office and field examiners, they have required examination procedures that they have to follow too. If they are looking into a taxpayer's books and records and they're trying to uncover unreported income, let's say for a business return, they, they evaluate the existence and effectiveness of the business internals, internal controls. Like, they look at things like, are there procedures in place for cash and for inventory, etc.? Um, how many employees have access to the taxpayer's books and, and things like that? They also, um, they audit the taxpayer, not the tax return. Yeah, I know how this sounds. The taxpayer's standard of living is considered in determining 
whether income was corrected reported was correctly reported like how can you report 50 grand in income after your expenses but your lifestyle shows you need at least a hundred grand to maintain and there are other required standards IRS agents must follow when it comes to large unusual or questionable items listed on a return as well as standards for the examination death and records that get examined and taxpayers you know even though some would probably rather not um, taxpayers are required to cooperate with reasonable requests from the IRS whether that's going to be for a meeting or maybe an interview or to just give them information cooperation um, includes providing reasonable assistance to the IRS and getting access to information that's not in control of the taxpayer as well as English translations of any foreign documents and it's in your best interest to cooperate with them anyway like listen if you have credible evidence that can support your deductions in question and you're complying with the Internal Revenue Code regulations and you've maintained good records and are cooperating you can effectively shift the burden of proof to the IRS during an audit this this will make them more favorable to a settlement with the taxpayer but be mindful that your evidence needs to be credible by their standards and to be credible the evidence must be believable like frivolous claims tax protester arguments that 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 BS ain't gonna fly okay a another element of cooperation from a taxpayer is also that they have had to exhaust all administrative remedies including their appeal rights that are provided by the IRS so if they offered you 30 days to request let's say a CDP hearing for example and you ignore it you aren't considered cooperating with the IRS and again you know the IRS has the burden of proof on them when they use statistical information to reconstruct any item of taxpayer income like say they calculated your income based on average income for the area where you live so I live in Louisville Kentucky right the average income earned is around $26,000 well it's up to the IRS to prove that you earned that amount of income and the IRS they use case building tools that help them determine if a tax return should be selected for examination what issues should be examined and how the examination should be conducted they use things like the integrated data retrieval system that provides current taxpayer information income sources and prior names and addresses that the taxpayer has used before they use the currency and banking retrieval system for reports of cash transactions payments for certain goods and information on foreign bank accounts and they use consumer reporting agencies that can include real property ownership information like guys they don't just create tax liabilities from thin air and in contrast to that however the burden of proof 
is on the taxpayer when it comes to claims for a refund. And get this, the IRS, they're entitled to a rebuttal presumption that its assessment of your tax was indeed correct. Just so you know, a rebuttal presumption is an assumption that is taken to be true unless someone comes forward to contest it and prove otherwise. So it's similar to innocent until proven guilty. So the IRS has its supporting evidence as to why you owed the tax paid, right? It's tax time and there are a lot of tax changes this year. If you didn't get your stimulus checks or if you didn't get the full amount, file with syndicate tax and we'll get you paid. Did you claim unemployment in 2020? Even if you didn't withhold taxes, you could still qualify for an IRS refund check. Don't miss out on these opportunities to get more money back. Syndicate tax professionals know all the new rules to get you the biggest refund possible. We can file your taxes in person or virtually using our secure mobile app. Just snap a picture of your W-2 and other tax forms and we can complete your return. To find out how, just give us a call at 502-220-4868. We have three offices in Louisville ready to take care of you. Call us now at 502-220-4868. The taxpayer will have to show that their assessment has no basis in order to be able to shift that burden of proof back onto the IRS. I mean, I get it. Audits are scary. They're hard to understand for most taxpayers. And the correspondence audit program, it can be frustrating for us as practitioners as well. Like, unlike the educational requirements for revenue agents, which is a four-year degree and 30 semester hours of accounting, the tax examiner position is an entry-level position and it requires a high school diploma. And they frequently follow what-if scenarios to work their cases that don't take into consideration gray areas of the law or differences in taxpayer fact patterns, then the time it takes for a response to your response has unforeseen delays due to staff furlough days, budget reductions, and, and, and things like that, that cut the resources for working taxpayer correspondence. And when a taxpayer, you know, they're contacted for a correspondence audit, they, they really have two choices. They can choose to respond, answer the questions, and get the, the issues resolved by the tax examiner, or they can request to have their case forwarded to the area office for examination. And honestly, it's usually to the taxpayer's advantage to close out the audit with the tax examiner making the request can expose the taxpayer to risk that the examiner could raise additional issues, right? And I just wanna give you all some good strategies for handling a correspondence audit. You wanna make sure that you review the notice, pay careful attention to the response date. Taxpayers are notorious for waiting until the last minute to address their I IRS issues and you want to address each issue in the correspondence audit separately and if you can provide detailed explanation calculations and supporting documents 
for any items that are in question on your tax return and send copies of anything they need. The service center can lose or misplace documents. It's not uncommon to resend documentation to the IRS, but it will be even harder if you sent in originals and you couldn't get those back. And you wanna make sure that you're sending all of your correspondence by certified mail with a return receipt requested. The tracking number that they give you will provide positive proof that the information was sent to the IRS in a timely fashion. And last but not least, if you're having problems, contact your local taxpayer advocate. They are such a wealth of resource and you know they can they can really open doors um, for you when you have issues that you cannot get around with the IRS on your own. And for those taxpayers who have had an audit and they disagree with the results, you can request an audit reconsideration. Now, some reasons for an audit reconsideration request are that maybe you're a taxpayer and you moved and you never received correspondence from the IRS about the audit, or you have new documentation that you want to present, or maybe you disagreed with the assessment that was created under a substitute return the IRS created on your behalf. And to request this audit reconsideration, all you guys have to do is send in a written request to the IRS office that issued your examination report. And for each disputed adjustment, you should discuss the facts, the law, the proposed treatment or resolution, and you want to attach any new information for the IRS to consider because they're not going to review anything that they have already agreed upon or, or, or already taken into consideration, right? And during this audit reconsideration, normally the IRS, they'll even delay your collection activity by like 30 days, but that will resume if you don't submit documentation within a timely fashion for this audit reconsideration. And I think it's very important to note that one of the criteria for reconsideration is that the tax is remaining unpaid. Like there have been cases where a taxpayer was due a refund and it offset against the tax that was being reconsidered and the IRS closed the reconsideration because the tax was no longer unpaid. So just because you're going through an audit, there are things that you can do and nothing is always final, right? And you just need to um, make sure that you reach out to a tax professional that can help you, right? And really that's gonna be it for my show today, folks. As always, if you're in need of a tax professional, if you want more information about something I've talked about on air, I want you guys to be sure to follow me on social media. You can check out my company website at www.syndicatetax.net. You can view our services. We offer four ways to file and we have three locations in Louisville. But if you need immediate assistance, give me a call today at 502-220-4868. Or you can email me directly at jill at syndicatetax.net. I want to thank you guys for listening and until next week.